Get ready to step into scripture with Tina. Hey everyone, welcome to Step Into Scripture. My name is Tina. I'm a pastor's wife and a mom of seven. Alongside my husband, Matt, I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a church planter, a Bible teacher, an author, and an advocate for all-in family ministry. I am passionate about making Christ and His church famous, and I'm also passionate about helping people develop a commitment to reading the entire Word of God, Genesis to Revelation, and that is the goal of this podcast, to inspire that commitment in people. So for this This season, season two, we are answering Bible questions that are submitted by listeners and viewers. And right now at our home church, Ecclesia Christian Church in Conway, South Carolina, we have a weekly Bible study that meets that's using the book that I authored, Step Into Scripture, to guide us through our study of the whole Bible chronologically. And we just recently finished reading the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. So that's where this week's question comes from, from someone who is participating in that Bible study. And this is a question that if you've read the book of Genesis, has probably confused you at some point too. The question is this, why couldn't Isaac reverse the blessing? Mm -hmm. So if you're not immediately familiar with what we're talking about, don't check out because we're going to start off by reading the whole account Mm -hmm. of the blessing that Isaac gave and that he couldn't take back. And then we are going to dig into God's word for a better understanding of why that could not be reversed. Yep. So Stacy, if you don't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself and bring us in with this account from Genesis. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Stacy Vines. Uh, both my husband and I are both small business owners and nonprofit founders here in our community. We too are church plant families here at Ecclesia, and reading God's Word from start to finish has been an absolute highlight in my life. Tina and I have been stepping through Scripture for years, so I am thrilled to do it here with all of you guys in this second season. Uh, we've covered so much ground already. And we are uh, this week going back to the very beginning, heading to Genesis. And to give us our context, we're going to do what we do every week here on this podcast. We'll let scripture answer and speak for itself and interpret itself. So we're going to read the whole account in context. We're heading to Genesis chapter 27. We're going to read verses 1 to 38. And this is the account of when Isaac gives this blessing to his son Jacob, which is out of order. Right. So we're going to read it, get our context, and then we'll be able to better uh, begin the conversation of why couldn't Isaac reverse the blessing. So let's get started. If you've got your Bibles, we're heading to Genesis 27, starting in verse 1. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I have overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare for me tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son... Listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, 
But my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and go get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and she put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skin. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread that she had made. He went to his father and said, my father... Yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that, I may, so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son, Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. And he says, Here's the blessing. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and, the, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came in, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came in deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time that he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all of his relatives his servants and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud.
So that's the account. That's the context and the foundation of what we're dealing with here. So just to remind us, that was a lot of reading. Yeah. And it, there was a lot of imagery used there between the the coat uh, or the goat skin on his arms and the smell of the, the sun. So there was a lot of imagery, a beautiful way for us to yeah. kind of imagine that setting and the, the pain that would come as Esau realizes, okay, my blessing, my inheritance has been stolen from me. So he, the big question, I think comes from, it's like you're sitting on the edge of your seat as you read through that and everyone's going, so why couldn't Isaac just undo it? Right. You know, what right. is what Rebecca did wrong? Why couldn't Isaac just take back what he said? Why would Jacob do that? Poor Esau, right? Yeah. So to begin to answer this question, we want to first note um, something beautiful. Uh, reversal is not only possible here, but it is a running theme throughout the Old Testament. And while Isaac said that he could not take back the blessing uh, that he had given to Jacob, the very act of him giving the blessing to Jacob, which is the younger son rather than Esau, right. that is the reversal. Yes. We see, okay, that's backwards. We read that and we recognize the older, even from our own traditions in modern right. Christianity, we think the oldest son is supposed to be the leader of the family. So we recognize reversal has already started here. But here's really what we mean when we say that that is the reversal in itself. Just two chapters before this, in Genesis chapter 25, we find that Rebecca, right, Isaac's wife and the mother of these two sons, asks God, why are the twins in my womb struggling within me? And this is a great introduction to this very weighty concept that we're going to talk through in this episode uh, throughout this conversation, but it's the theme of reversal. And it's repeated throughout scripture. It's a concept that actually points us towards the gospel. And here's what God says to Rebecca, who is pregnant with two twin boys. He says that there are two nations in her womb and that the older will serve the younger. But why is that notable? Well, in Hebrew culture and throughout the Bible, and maybe even still today, the, the assumption is the firstborn receives the blessing, which generally included him becoming the greatest among the family and receiving a, a double portion of the actual physical inheritance yes. while everyone else is subservient to him. He also receives that birthright, right? That double portion of the inheritance. Yet there's prominent times in scripture where this pattern is interrupted by this theme of reversal. Yes. So just to recall a few examples, um, if you're stepping through scripture, you've noted some of these already. We saw in the very beginning that God favored the offering of the younger brother Abel over the firstborn son Cain. Yes. We see here that God chose Isaac um, over his brother Ishmael, who was the firstborn of Abraham, but not the one who the promise would come from. Right. We see Joseph and his older brothers bowing down to him just as his dream said it would happen. David the youngest and smallest of his brothers being chosen to be king and anointed king over Israel. So we see this reversal play out. So for God to say to Rebecca, two nations are quarreling in your womb, but the older will serve the younger, isn't outside of God's right ability or a pattern that he hasn't already set. And in the first place, his, his choice of choosing this nation of Israel yeah. through the line of Abraham was a theme of reversal in and of itself. Let's recall what God said in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7. 
talking about why he chose this nation to bring about salvation for the entire world. It says, the Lord did not set his affection on you being Israel and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples for you were the fewest of all peoples. So the least likely option by our cultural norm or man's um, ability to decide and discern, God went against in this pattern or this theme of reversal. So it might look like favoritism that God chose Jacob, because after all, Paul in the New Testament gives us a clue that we don't have here in this account that God had actually chosen that before they were born, before they had had an opportunity to earn merit or favor with God. Romans chapter nine, verse 11 and 12 says, yet before the twins, these twins being Jacob and Esau were born or had done anything good or bad, she was told Rebecca that the older would serve the younger. So even before the favor of God could have been won by these boys. God had decided the plan in which, again, these vehicles that he would use to bring about the Messiah, the Savior and Redeemer of the world. So although we don't always know why God makes his specific choices as he makes them, it's certainly not from an attitude of favoritism, but it shows his character that he desires. He will go whichever path will bring the most people yes. into a eternal relationship with him. That's his motive. So again, this is a weighty concept and it calls for a deeper study of one thing and that's God's sovereignty. His sovereignty in election as presented in Romans chapter nine. Um, and so that's a conversation that's very relevant to this question, the idea of election. And so uh, to point you to some really good conversation about that, uh, we want you to check out in this same season, season two, another episode that we did just a few weeks weeks ago. That's episode 14 and it's titled What Hardens a Heart. And honestly, Tina, that so far has been my favorite conversation that we've had because it does speak to the sovereignty and the character and the desire that God has uh, for intimate relationship with all of us. And it just is a lot of good Bible truth. So we really want to point you back to that. But it was through God's choice of Jacob, right? His name eventually being changed to Israel, that God would create this nation that that is at the intersection of three continents through whom he would bring about our salvation and and the salvation of the whole world, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Through this nation is, is the line of Jesus. It's the family history that we read about all through the Old Testament. And even though most Jewish people would go on to reject Jesus, like we read about in the New Testament. God used that rejection, right, in a reversal. He used that rejection to bring the Gentiles, all of the non-Jews, me, you, most of the people listening, into this kingdom. And here's what uh, Paul writes to the church in Rome just in a few chapters over from where we were a moment ago. Romans 11, verse 11. Because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. They, or their transgression, he's talking about Israel's rejection of the true king, the Messiah that was promised. Their rejection brought salvation to the rest of the Gentiles. So that was the reversal. But God didn't leave it there. He didn't table it there and say, you know what? You missed your opportunity. Let's go on to see what, what else he says. God's choice to invite all of these Gentiles, all of us, into Jesus' kingdom is meant in part to make the Jews jealous, right? So that they might accept their invitation into this 
worldwide kingdom yes. um, with Jesus at the head. Romans 11 uh, verses 13 to 14. Inasmuch as I am a, the apostle to the Gentiles, this is Paul, he says, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I might somehow arouse my own people, the Jews, to envy and to save them, to save some of them. So Paul recognizes this theme of reversal. He sees the bigger picture, the overarching story of redemption that God is writing. He sees, I might be an apostle to the Gentiles, but maybe by God's acceptance and and pouring out of love and compassion and eternal relationship with the Gentiles, maybe the Jews will become jealous and go, that's that's our God. That's our King. What have I done? Let me come into this right. relationship as well. So while we can't always understand why or how God makes His choices and the, the choices that He makes, we know that His choices are from a seat of bringing as many people as possible into this eternal relationship that He has planned for us since the beginning. In choosing Jacob over Esau, God wasn't telling Rebecca that she had one child that was predestined for heaven and another predestined for hell. Rather, he showed that he would bring about his plan for redemption to the world in the way in which he chooses, the way in which would have the greatest impact. Because again, Jacob and Esau, this was planned for them before merit could have even been earned. Right. So it wasn't that it was a punishment. And I know we've talked about this before on the podcast, but it was just the design that God had to bring about the greatest impact. And so This can bring us comfort. This can be a warning. And you're going to walk us through the rest of this, how how we should take note from this account of Jacob and Esau. Yes, so this is a weighty concept, God's sovereignty and His purpose in election. But that's a great summary Mm -hmm. of it. That's a great way to open up the conversation because it's a prominent topic when we're looking at Mm -hmm. this question of why couldn't Isaac reverse the blessing? So God is sovereign over all that he accomplished and his purpose is opening the door of salvation to as many people as possible through Christ. And the way he elected to do that was through Jacob Mm -hmm. rather than through Esau. So that's one reason that Isaac could not reverse the blessing. Right. Because God had already made a choice about how he was going to deliver salvation into the world to reach the most people. But let's go a step further now, and let's look at another reason why mm-hmm. Isaac could not reverse the blessing. So you've already introduced, Stacey, these two key events in the life of Esau. His birth, uh, which in itself was a reversal. His mother, Rebecca, had yeah. been barren. And then he comes along with a younger twin brother who God says is going to rule over him. So right. from the point of birth, there's already a reversal, a reversal of barrenness and a reversal in the birthright order. Mm-hmm. And then Isaac's death that you read to us that account when he blessed Jacob, when Jacob was disguised as Esau, mm-hmm. another reversal we see. So I want us to dig into this other key event in the life of Esau. We've looked at his birth. We've looked at his father's death. But here's what occurred between those two events. So we're going to read Genesis 25, 27 to 34. It says, The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. This is why he's also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. 
Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Mm -hmm. So let's dig into some of the details here. First, and not necessarily even related to this question, we see an immediate problem of favoritism in this home. Right. Esau was his dad's favorite. Jacob was his mom's favorite, and they knew it. So already there is a recipe for disaster stewing in this household. Mm -hmm. And next... Esau may have been the manly sibling, Mm -hmm. like we just read, but he was also a drama queen. Sure. He comes in from hunting and asks Jacob for some stew that he's cooking. Jacob exploits the situation by saying, well, sell me your birthright. And Esau's response is, look, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright to me? Now, there's no doubt he was hungry, right? He'd been working hard. Maybe he was even famished, but about to die... Yeah. Probably not. That's unlikely. So the point is not that he was hungry. Mm -hmm. The point is that he valued his birthright that little. Sure. And what was his birthright? That's what we need to know here. Well, it was the inheritance of Abraham. Right. If we know the story of the patriarchs in this lineage, we know that his grandfather Abraham had been very wealthy and Mm -hmm. therefore his Father Isaac, who was Abraham's son of promise, again, the younger son, like you mentioned, not Ishmael the firstborn, he would have been very wealthy as well, stewarding the inheritance of Abraham, something you and I have talked about before in the life of his wife, Rebecca. Yes. That's another great lesson. We may need to revisit that sometime on this podcast. (laughs) So Abraham and Isaac were the covenant lineage through whom God had promised to birth an entire nation that was going to number more than the sand on the seashore, more than the stars in the sky. And through that nation, God had promised to bless the whole world. So that's the birthright. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. It's not just material wealth. It's a spiritual blessing being delivered to the entire world. But Esau saw no value Mm -hmm. in that blessing. Mm -hmm. And here's further evidence of how much he despised his birthright. Genesis 26, 34 to 35. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Barry, the Hittite, and also Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Right. All right. So he chooses to marry outside of this covenant lineage. Now, just before Abraham had died, here's what he, Esau's grandfather, had said about Esau's father, Isaac, Genesis 24, 3 and 4, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I'm living, but go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife from my son, Isaac. So Hittites, like the woman who Esau married, right were inhabitants of Canaan. So Esau marrying a Hittite was an affront to both his parents and to his grandparents who did not want that to happen. And to express the importance of this, I want to just quote from an article about the Hittites from a magazine called the Biblical Archaeology Review. In the theological worldview expressed in these early biblical narratives, it was important to depict the Israelites as a pure Yahwistic community coming from outside and therefore untainted by the customs and beliefs of the land, that's the land of Canaan. Mm -hmm. In order for the Israelites to be the true insiders, there must be outsiders, the other. Right. So Esau marrying into 
the people of Canaan, the outsiders, the outsiders, when God was trying to create a community that was purely Israel, mm-hmm. that's just further evidence that Esau was not interested yeah. in participating in God's plan. But perhaps some of the most solid evidence of Esau's despising his birthright comes from the New Testament, and that's where we're going to move to find some compelling evidence and application for this account. So we're going to go to the book of Hebrews. And we've talked before on this podcast about how the book of Hebrews warns us against rebelling Mm -hmm. and against falling away. And a great summary of that whole idea is found in the third chapter of Hebrews. So we're just going to read together verses 16 through 18. Hebrews 3, 16 to 18. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? That's God. Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Now keep that passage in mind, and we're going to flip to the end of the book of Hebrews and read from chapter 12, verses 15 to 17. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Mm -hmm. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. And even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Mm -hmm. Now, the Hebrew writer, this is interesting, that he equates sexual immorality and godlessness with Esau's action that we just looked at. Right. And what was that action? Selling his birthright in return for a bowl of stew. So that's stupid. Yeah. But how is it immoral? Right. How is it godless? Here's the thing. Esau had an inheritance of riches and blessing, the physical riches of Abraham Mm -hmm. and of Isaac, but also the blessing that God wanted to deliver to the whole world. But he didn't think of what was promised of this long-term blessing when he had an immediate hunger to fulfill a physical craving. Mm -hmm. So in order to gratify the desires of his flesh, in this case, it was hunger. Mm -hmm. It can look like other things. In this case, it was hunger. He was willing to throw away the inheritance that accompanied the birthright. Now, does any of this sound familiar? Here's our application. We are all uniquely designed by God. We're created in his image, and his desire is that we would be reconciled to him through Christ and receive the blessing, this blessing that God was cultivating through the lineage of Israel Mm -hmm. so that we could inherit riches in heaven, that that would be our eternal inheritance. But when we value the fleeting pleasures Mm -hmm. of this mortal life and of physical things above the covenant promises of our father, Mm -hmm. just like Esau valued the fleeting pleasure of a bowl of stew more than the covenant blessings and promises coming from his father Isaac, when we do that, We're going to be rejected. And even though, like Esau, we want and seek the blessing with tears, when it's time for the Father to bestow the blessing, it's too late to change what we've done. That's what we just read about Esau. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he couldn't change what he had done. Mm -hmm. So why couldn't Isaac reverse the blessing? Well, this is a much bigger picture for us. It is. It's that when the time is up, Mm -hmm. if we have valued 
just physical things, Mm -hmm. just things of this world, that is a choice for immorality. It's a choice for godlessness. And then it's too late to change what we've done. We can't reverse it right. when the time is up. Yeah, I think the, the the big question, why couldn't he undo it? Why couldn't he just take back what he had given to Jacob and give it to Esau? Well, the bigger picture is that this is the image of us yeah. who are adopted in with the Father, yes. who now have a birthright. And God has said so. He's not going to undo it. Right. He has brought the Gentiles in yes. like the younger brother in that reversal that we can see now as grace. Yes. And if we give up our birthright for the world, he can't undo that. Right. That was our decision. All right, Tina. So one more thing that's super relevant to this conversation as we come to the end of our time together is something we didn't land on while we were talking through the conversation of Isaac and Jacob and Esau and Rebecca's role in all of this. Rebecca gets a lot of shade in this, by the way. Um, but I look at her and I go, you you were faithful to what God said to you. That's true. That's a whole nother conversation. Maybe from this, the question will come, you know, was Rebecca being deceitful? But um, hint, hint, that'd be a great conversation to have. But uh, one thing we want to just note before we go, Genesis chapter 25, verse 23, and let's read it together um, as we question this idea of reversing the blessing, uh, same as questioning God's sovereignty in the work that he accomplished through Jesus and our entry into this covenant family ourselves. Verse 23, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. He's talking to Rebecca and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. So even prior to Isaac, what we read on the surface, reversing the blessing, right? Giving it to the wrong son. Yeah. Actually what Isaac was trying to do and it seems when you know when you look at it from this context of wait Isaac was sort of desperate to give that blessing to Esau his favorite yeah. and not to Jacob who God said in verse 23 the older will serve the younger God had already decided right. like we said like Paul reminds us in Romans that the the younger would be greater than the older but it was more than just two boys right It was two nations and two people who God would use to bring about this uh, lineage and this Messiah. So before Isaac even had a chance, um, before the idea that Jacob stole this blessing, Isaac was trying to thwart the plan of God. Right. And when we read this on its surface, without stepping throughout all of Scripture, we might say, and I have heard, Rebecca and Jacob just deceitfully tried to steal and thwart the plan of God. But when you look at it through the lens of all of Scripture, you see Rebecca might have just been trying to be obedient to the Word of God, and Isaac and Esau were acting a little more deceitfully, trying to go outside of the plan that God had already established. But why is that important for us? Because what Isaac gave to Jacob, assuming it was Esau, was in direct contrast to what God had already said. God said to Rebekah, two nations are in your womb, two people who will be separated, one will be great, one will be lesser, the, the older will bow down and serve the younger, right? Let's read that one more time. What was the blessing that he gave to Jacob, assuming it was Esau, who he knew 
was not going to be the greater of the two. Genesis 27, verse 28 and 29. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. And here's the kicker. He says, be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be be blessed. Esau wept, begging to have his blessing, but it was too late. Isaac, though he tried to go outside of the plan yeah. of God, through deceit, he, it, it was reversed by Jacob and Rebekah's own deceit. Isaac replied to Esau when, as he wept out loud, begging with tears to have his blessing restored that he himself had sold for a worldly Uh, worldly moment of gratification. He says, I have made him Lord over you. I have made all of his relatives, his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. And he says, he, he gives away his own folly and his own error. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? And what he's really saying here is I went outside the plan of God. I stole from the plan of God and now I have nothing left to give right? Yeah. God still accomplished what he had decided was going to happen. And that's why it could not be reversed. This should be a great comfort to us, right? It's a great warning in the life of Esau. Yeah. It's a great comfort to us as we look through the lens of all of scripture, because the truth is no one can thwart the plan of God. And something that we're going to cover in an upcoming episode that's still being developed right now that is even more comfort is on the turnaround of this thing, what we're going to find is that even though God's purpose in election was to position Jacob in front of Esau, God still gives Esau Mm -hmm. every single thing he needs. He does not put him in a position above Jacob, Mm -hmm. which is what Isaac tried to do, Mm -hmm. but all of Esau's needs are still met. And, And even what is viewed by many as an act of deception mm-hmm. by Jacob and by Rebecca, mm-hmm. that doesn't lead to Esau's downfall. Right. Esau still accomplishes what God has for him to accomplish. Absolutely. The original plan yes. is never undone. Though even through human folly, deceit, error, downright accident, you know, yeah. mistake or outright blatant sin and godlessness, the plan of God to redeem and reconcile the entire world to himself is still on track. And we're still all awaiting the culmination of it at his return. And so the comfort that we can now walk in is irregardless of the seat we sit in right now, no matter the chaos that is around us, God's plan and God's sovereignty reigns over even that. And that I think is the joy that we can find and the hope that we can find, not only in this story, but we will find it in every account as we step through scripture. And we just want to mention that before we head out this week. If you haven't already picked up Step Into Scripture, Tina's book, the resource, the foundation of this podcast and every conversation we have each week, we want to encourage you to do that. You can pick that up on Amazon and you can uh, check out some more information about it. It is published by Renew.org as well as this podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week stepping through a lot of scripture, being uh, warned by scripture, comforted by scripture, and ultimately pointing towards King Jesus as we step through it together. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week. See ya.